Welcome to Digital Reflections. Uh, I'm Ali Nickel. As always, with me is Marcus G. Hey there, everyone. And our guest this week, I'm delighted to say, is Sean Gigramosa. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Sean is the technical product manager at Rolls-Royce. Um, but we've got him because uh, he is a digital twin evangelist. Um, he is pioneering. <laughs> He's pioneering the adoption of digital twins within manufacturing, within uh, power generation, within rail, um, and over ten years has been turning ideas into digital products with agile methodologies. So, Sean, it's fantastic to have you with us. Thank you for joining us, and um, I'm going to dive right in, if that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So you're a self-titled digital twin evangelist. How long have you been on the journey with digital twins? So I, I would say um, with digital twin, the program itself, I, I believe it was early 2018. So I would say going on three years now. And how I, I actually just really got into it was um, I think it was around 2017, 2018. There was a strategy within Rolls Royce. Um, and then one of our big, uh, big strategies was to perfect the digital twin. Um, and then that went over to, you know, kind of like RCFBUs. And um, it was a task as okay, we need to build a digital twin. And then um, so my CDO said, okay, Sean, I want you to build a digital twin. Would you want to do it? I was like, sure, why not? And then that was it. I was like, <laughs> no idea what I'm getting into, no idea what I was, I was supposed to build or no idea what a digital twin is. You know, like uh, as you kind of like understand more and more about this technology, you know, I, I always tell this to people. It's like, it, it really depends on who you're talking to and they have a different perspective of, of, of the twin. And I've learned that over time. And it was, you know, like I want to say a challenging yet very uh, fruitful, um, I would say, program for me um, that, you know, like I said, like I am here, here I am now. I'm, I'm a you know, big proponent, self-titled evangelist for, uh, uh, for the digital twins. And where, what's your perspective on their potential? I mean, what is it that, that excites you and keeps you engaged with digital twins? So to me, it's, it's, it's really about, I want to say, kind of like the identity, right? So, and identity is very important because a lot of our systems, a lot of how we develop our IT systems is, let's say, for example, you have this big solutions like SAP, like PTC, like Azure, like um, Google Cloud, AWS, um, and all of these things or internal files and, and databases or whatever. And all of these things, you identify a certain thing by a specific ID. Now, the challenge is, is of course, that what you call, let's say, something, because, uh, you know, like, uh, it's, it could be an engine, it could be whatever, in an Excel file is not necessarily the same idea as what you would call as, um, you know, that, that item in, in SAP, for example, in SAP, it would be an equipment ID. Um, that's not necessarily an equipment. It's just, that's what they call it. It's an equipment ID. And then you go to something else and then they have a different type of identification. Then the, and then, so you have these like silos and, and, and uh, information that's valid. And what really, really drew me to the twin. And I think what's more important. And then, um, um, is that the twin is your identity. 
And the twin is the one that kind of like knows. And I, 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 this is how I, I presented it. It's, it. It knows about itself, right? Now, all of these other systems and all of these other system silos, so in that sense, is still very important because that's where the information lies. So if your twin is your identity and you can integrate to this, to your SAP, to your Azure, to your PTC, to your whatever, then, you know, like as a user or as a, as a, as a thing, then you have just that one point of, um, of access. So it's not the single point of truth, right? So I, I, I don't call the twins, okay, this is a single point of truth because there are multiple and multiple systems that, that's, uh, that provides accurate, true data for their specific, I want to say, um, topic or, or area, right? But if you have that access point, that access point, that twin, then you have access or you have um, the ability to get information from your multiple sources of truth. And I think just having that, and then us, there's other things too, but having that I think is very important. That's what really drew me to. I think that's brilliant because it ties into something i've heard you say before uh, on your perspective of of it twins allowing you to see the world differently that you yeah. said in a, an article that um, was published in the uh, institution of mechanical engineers uh, in july of uh, 2019 um you said you didn't see our you didn't see the failing was you didn't see our products the way customers do and that what you were looking at was systems rather than the thing that mattered. And I think this idea of identity and what it is you actually want to look at and what it is you actually want to access and what it is you actually want are interested in is a really interesting perspective. Exactly. Because, you know, just a, uh, you know, just a high level example, right? So we have, we, as a manufacturing company, we build engines, uh, we build um, power packs or, or whatever. And when we sell those engines, those power packs, um, to our customers, let's say for like we build an aero air engines, we sell it to Boeing. Boeing doesn't see um, SAP. Boeing doesn't see Maximo. Boeing doesn't see like Azure. Boeing doesn't see where we put our data. All they see is like, okay, you have an engine and it's their perspective that, okay, you should know everything about that engine, but that's, that's not necessarily the case. Yes. We know about the engine, but you know, like how we actually see it internally is, Oh, this information is here. Oh, this other information is here. Oh, this other information is here. So, so we see systems, we see different systems, we see different it solutions. Um, but you know, that perspective, we don't see our asset, right? We don't see, the asset as the middle or, or as the heart of our, I want to say, as of our solution, right? So we we see, uh, and, and again, this is the, the challenge is we see different systems and it's almost like depending on what you're looking for, you go to a separate um, technology solution, whatever um, that's uh, made uh, specifically for that, for that, you know, for that challenge or for that use case. And I think this is where the twin kind of changes that because if, if the customer sees an asset, let's say for example, an engine or whatever, and we see as a digital twin, the same thing, then we have a different view. It's like, so you have, again, it's just going back to, to the point I said earlier is that you have that one access point. So if I go to the twin and the twin then integrates to all those different solutions or all those different sources of data, then I, I see the see, uh, I see 
the, uh, the, the product the same, in the same lens as how my customer sees the product. And I think that's very valuable. I think that's very important. And, and a recurring theme, it seems to me, in your, your work has been this focus on the customer. What, it, what yeah. is it that the customer or the user wants? Um, and you, you, know, you talk about uh, agile methodologies uh, a lot and that kind of thing. But the way you're describing a digital twin and the perspective it gives you is a very different approach to the way a lot of companies not only work, but also structure and plan and, and operate. So has there, in your experience, is there challenges with getting a business to come with you on, 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 a, on a digital twin journey or... or yeah, there's always challenges. And then it, it, it depends on the message, right? Because um, one of the things when you're talking about something like a, a digital twin and you have this grandiose plan, it's like, okay, yeah, we want to build, we want to save the world. And you talk to, you know, you talk to a, a customer about that and they say like, okay, well, that's a great plan. However, it doesn't really fix my problem. So, and that's, that, that's part of the kind of like the, the, the journey. So you have to get your customer bought in, but to be able to do that, you don't necessarily sell them a digital twin. You basically uh, understand, okay, what is the problem? What is the, you know, and then this is going back to that kind of like mindset and then having that customer user focus is that what does, you know, like what is the, the, the pain that my customer is feeling? And then by, by having them identify that and then just say, okay, realize, and then, uh, and then they realize, okay, this is really the, the problem I want to solve. Then you can come up, you know, like then you, you identify that as a use case that you can solve uh, with a technology like the digital twin or, or is better solved with a technology like the digital twin. And by validating that and then by taking the, the customer, you know, with you in that journey, then they, they start to open up and they start to realize because they, they understand that, okay, hey, you've solved this problem, but they start understanding that this solution is really bigger than that. You know, it's not just about solving one use case, then you actually open it up and then there's a different ecosystem that starts building and they say, Hey, if I can do this, then I can also do this. Oh, and this, but this technology actually helps me unlock this other value. So it's, it's very, I want to say, you know, I think, uh, once you've gotten that, uh, I would say that that customer to, to, uh, to walk with you on that journey, that it helps open it, opening it up for themselves to realize and to understand and to, uh, to see the value of what uh, a digital twin can do. And you touched on the word ecosystem there. And one of the schisms I see in the digital twin space is, is there seems to be a sort of division between a digital twin versus digital twins and, and an idea of digital twins interacting with each other. And I saw a, a, something you wrote um, a, few, a, a while ago now, but where you said, the value of digital twins expands when you relate your own company asset twins to the environment around it and asset twins of your customers and suppliers, an ecosystem of digital twins. Yeah. And, that and I, I really like truly believe that um, when most organizations and we, we did it as well, when we're looking at the digital twin as a kind of like a solution, we always look at it internally. It's like, okay, so if we have our own twin, like what value can we unlock? And you do unlock some value and then you do realize like, okay, yeah, we can create new uh, models. We can be more efficient and all of that stuff because it does that for us internally. However, just like 
anything, right? The value of, um, of a twin actually explodes once you start understanding that it's not just our twin, it's also our twin and how it connects to the twin of our customers, of the twin of a process or the twin of the city as a whole. So for example, um, and I, I really like this, you know, like I've been pushing this idea of um, kind of like if I was going to design like how, uh, what do you call this, um, how autonomous driving was going to work. And I would build it on top of a digital twin. The reason for that is, you know, the car itself. And if you, if you do it just by sensors and then what the car, that the car sees and do your AI, like your autonomous driving based off of that, then it's good, right? So you, you can, you can, you know, like the, the car sees a pedestrian or another car and it will slow down. But what if you have that ecosystem? So you have your car as a digital twin connecting to other cars, digital twin. So it's, it goes beyond what you, what your car can see, because if it's connected to, let's say, um, a car that's two streets down the road, then my twin already knows that there is a car coming. It's almost like, um, free, uh, Cognition or something like, you know, there's always like, you know, like, uh, you know, beforehand, before you, actually, you can actually even see it, that something is coming so you can prepare for it. And that's the, the, the value to me of an ecosystem um, is that it's not just you. So if I have information that's uh, important to another, let's say, organization, another twin um, that may not necessarily be um, uh, straight connected to my twin, then, but th that information is important to them. Then if I can share that using the, the digital twin, there, there's value in that service. There's value in that, in that, um, that thing that both, uh, both organizations can build together. Right. So, I mean, if, if we, as a, you know, like as a human race, everything is an ecosystem, right? So in, in, there's an ecosystem in nature. I think this just like kind of like an extension of that. So if we create twins, if we create digital twins, there is also an ecosystem and there's also a need for those, uh, for those things to interrelate. And I think this is, you know, like really what, and once you do that, once you do that, once you actually build that, then the, 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 um, and this is like, that's when the value just uh, grows exponentially. I so mean, the key part to like uh, having this this twin ecosystem is having multiple twins. Do you in like from your experiences have you noticed that customers are generally aware of having an ecosystem of twins, or is this all new to them? I, I think it's it's definitely all new to them, um, uh, and I think it's it's still a matter of um, perspective, right? When people when you talk to people and say, okay, what is a digital twin? The first thing that usually comes to mind is some sort of picture, some sort of 3D model that so okay, yeah, then, you know, like if I move it around then you know, like I can see whatever uh, that car or there may be some data like, okay, so you're my digital twin. Okay. Yeah. It's in like uh, Sussex or, or whatever. And this is the weather. So they, they think in the sense of like, okay, it's very singular, but you know, the ecosystem, the one that I, um, you know, like I've been kind of like exploring and pushing is that, okay, if your twin and then connecting to other twins, so let's say, you know, like, um, a train connecting to other trains, but not just a train, a train connecting to a schedule, a train connecting to the track, a train connecting to the depot. And the information is then, um, you know, like, um, shared between those different twins, then, 
there's a lot more, um, I would say, value that you can start opening up. I but yeah, you're right. I guess to answer your question, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I, this is part of the, you know, like a walking or, or, um, or taking the, the customer uh, with you on that journey because they are not aware. And, you know, it's almost like you have to kind of like guide them into that, uh, into that realization. Um, just right. going back to what I said earlier, first they look at it, at, at it as their, okay, this is my twin. But as you open up more and more use cases, they start seeing the value of like, okay, what if my twin connects to other twins? What other things can I create? I really like this parallel you've drawn with the kind of interconnectedness of the actual world versus the kind of where technology is often built as real point solutions. So, you know, you have this specific pain point, I'll build a bit of technology to fix just that thing um, without, without re- reflecting the, the true interconnectedness that the real world is going on. And that parallel with if it is a if it is a digital reflection, a digital twin of what's going on, why would it not be interconnected? Why, why, why would it be a standalone twin? Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, like um, because um, when I was uh, trying to you know like um, explain or do some presentations on, on the twin, I always start with you know like okay, if I have a twin of myself you know, this is what it would look like. You know, I, I need information and this uh, information is in different solutions. So my twin would need access or would need to integrate to those different solutions. But again, with value, my, my own digital twin isn't, doesn't live in a silo. If our data and all our systems doesn't live in a silo, I don't live in a silo. I live in a, in a house with my wife, my two kids, and we are part of a neighborhood, you know, like, uh, so there are, there is that, that ecosystem inherent in, in life. And I think that's, that's what we need to start kind of like understanding um, with kind of like the, uh, a digital mindset as well, is that there is an ecosystem of how your assets, you know, like interact. So we need to build that ecosystem so your digital assets can also interact. And then the, the speed of information can, you know, like, um, again, generate, uh, generate value. Fantastic. Another interesting thing that's sort of coming to mind here is, you know, one of the things is that that the customers look for buy-in to a solution rather than digital twins. And so uh, one thing that comes to mind is that customers don't necessarily know what they don't know. Uh, and so they, they're not aware that digital twins is an option for the solution. They're not aware that uh, an ecosystem could, could help them in their business or, or help provide for their solutions. And I'm just sort of wondering, like, how do we, how do we drive these solutions to those customers? How do we bring up or even identify that digital twins is the right solution? for the problems that they're coming up with. Yeah. So to, to me, sometimes it's just about kind of like uh, trying to solve those, those problems, right? So the solution itself, like, again, this is going back to like, it's, it's being customer uh, focused. They don't necessarily care what the solution is. They don't necessarily care like okay, if it's a, a, a digital twin, if it's an ecosystem or if it was a, a point solution, as a point uh, software application. I think what's what's more important, really, from a from a customer buy-in, that whatever um, I want to say, product or service or solution that you've uh, uh, realized to solve their problem, 
actually, you know, works and you can get it to them uh, fast and you can get, and you can, you know, generate value for them. Um, and then they start, you know, like again, asking, you know, like more and more questions. And then once they ask more and more questions, then they, then they start realizing, okay, well, this is actually what's, um, what's powering um, this service that you built. And then again, then they get interested and then they get like, okay, Hey, um, if you can do that with this, what else can it do? Right. Um, we did a, a video, I think Ali, you remember, um, uh, for Rolls Royce where we talked about use cases and then we said like, okay, what is your twin? Right. What is your challenge at the end? It's like, it's all that, uh, that, that, that call to action. And it's, it goes, um, with that kind of like, idea where you solve a problem and then get them to like understand, understand, okay, this is the problem. Now, what other problems can you solve? And then what other problems and how, how would you, um, create a, a, a twin to, um, to, to fix an issue that you already have? Um, and it, it just opens up that kind of like, I would say it opens up the floodgates. So once you, uh, once you help one person, once you help one organization and really, you know, like, and they, they realize and they are bought into that, uh, to that value and that solution. And it's easier to kind of like guide them into that process or that flow. Well, uh, you said that you were a self-titled evangelist. I, th- I think you can officially say that, that we would also bestow the title on you. Um, this is a, a real vision for what, what twins and ecosystems of twins can do. And it strikes me that with that opening of the floodgates, what you're really providing is hope to people. You know, actually, there are ways to solve these problems. There are things that we can do. And if you can see it working in one sphere, in one space with the problem that's right in front of you, actually, I can now see that I have all these other problems, which I might have thought were unsolvable or mm-hmm. just, you know, that's, we just have to live with that. That's just, it's an inconvenience, but there is no way around it because yeah. it requires a little bit of me and a little bit of you and a little bit of the other. And that again, feels like a very human thing to be able to, to help with. And, and exactly. And just going back to what you just mentioned, right? It's a little bit of me, a little bit of you. And when, when I'm talking about, when I'm trying to push the ecosystem, it's not about, you know, like we have all your data or it's not about give me everything and then we can create, we can generate value. It's, it's, it's really about, okay, well, for this specific problem, all I need is this data point and this data point from here and this data point from here. So, you know, like, and, and then people sort of realize, okay, yeah, well, that's not really that important or it's, it is important, but I can, I can live with that. Right. It's not that, you know, I give you everything. Like a lot of organizations, they, they, that, that's one of the fears. Um, it's always like who owns the data. It's always like who owns the solution and all of that stuff. But you know, once you start really you know having that conversation, it's like we don't want to boil the ocean. We don't want all your data. Um, we can build a solution from you know like one, two, three data points, and it just depends on the problem, right? It depends on like a, you know like what what problem are we trying to solve? Um, and it's you know like I think. By thinking, you know, again, just going back to what you said about agile, right? By thinking in, in like small iterative steps, that's, uh, you know, like it, it helps you get to your destination quicker and probably, you know, like uh, um, better. So meaning that you'll always have to like, you know, like kind of like shift along the way 
because you learn more along the way as well. One of the uh, things that we like to do on um, Digital Reflections is invite people to bring in uh, an article, a post, something they've seen or read or, or, or come across um, that, that's just a bit interesting and that, that uh, piques their interest. Um, you've, bought, you've bought something with you today. Um, yeah. I I, virtually, obviously, we're all, we're all in lockdown and doing this remotely, but, but virtually bought something in, in, in with us. Um, and uh, it, it, was a, it was a post on LinkedIn, and we'll, we'll include the link when we, when we publish this podcast, but um, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, like when I saw that picture and I talked a little bit about it earlier, it's like if I was going to design how AI or autonomous vehicles work, this is what I would do. I would interlate on top of of a digital twin. And I saw that picture from, um, or it was a post from, uh, um, uh, from Satya Nadella where there is a video of the, I think it was the cruise um, going through like a, a busy city, city street. And then you have all of these elements kind of like uh, flowing and seeing. And then when I, you know, then this is where I said, it's like, if, you know, it's, it's that ecosystem, right? So, so if you imagine that thing in the middle, that cruise is that one digital twin and all those different elements are digital twins of cars and, um, you know, people, then you can start to realize that, okay, because I know these things are, are coming. It's like, then I, you know, then it's not just about, you know, like what, like, again, it's not about just what you see because there is a, I want to say a limited view, but actually, you know, like you start to kind of like understand these are the things that are coming up. And that's what I saw in that picture. And I, I thought that was really, um, really interesting because it, it really, I don't know if this is how they did it. So like, just, you know, I, I was just going about by the, by the, uh, by that video, but that's really, you know, I think, um, a better and an easier way to be able to design, uh, autonomous vehicles. And I, I think we're, it's, it's, we're, we're definitely getting there. I think one of the things that's, um, kind of like a drawback is like the speed of communication, the speed of kind of like, uh, data and how it sends, but with, uh, the, you know, like the, with 5G and with, you know, like all of our, these networks going faster and faster over time, then I think, you know, like uh, I would say within two, maybe even three years, we would have fully automated vehicles. Um, and I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, like I would hope so and I would think so. Yeah. So the, the post, which was, um, talking about the announcement that Cruise and GM and Microsoft have all, all got together. Really, um, one of the things that struck me, knowing that I was going to be talking to you about it, was the way that the, the visualization of the people around the car pop up and disappear. Now, obviously, some of that is because of sensor range, but it really mm-hmm. struck me about the fact that you can have an ecosystem of transitory or relationships or conditional communities. So when you were talking a little while ago about sharing little pieces of information from me to you, it really struck me that was a good example, autonomous vehicles, of that not needing to be an enduring data lake, stick it all in, you know, it's everything all the time forever. You know, yeah. if I'm in San Francisco where Cruz is is doing their work, um, 
then yes, I want to share something of myself with the cars that are on the roads next to me. So I don't but get I, hit. <laughs> yeah. But, but what, you know, I don't, shouldn't need to share all of my data for the rest of my life with the same organizations. You know, once I hop on exactly. a plane and leave San yeah. Francisco, why would they retain anything about me? Why would they, why would I keep that? connection or that interaction going yeah, exactly and then just just going to um you know like um, just following up on that on that topic is you know like uh, the, the the twin or the car itself only cares about kind of like the immediate and maybe a little bit a little bit past the immediate right after that if once they've gone through you know they've gone past i don't really care where that person was walking to so so from that, it's almost like, okay, this is relevant to me right now. Um, and this would be relevant to me in, uh, in a little bit, like within five, tens, uh, 10 minutes of where I'm heading to. So those are the only things that I would like, um, I want to connect to. So, so if those are the only things that my twin wants to connect to, um, because they're, you know, like that could have an effect of, you know, like where I would go if I need to stop as a car or, or what can be be a, a hazard in the, uh, you know, like, um, uh, in my, uh, driving environment. So, uh, you know, it's, it's that, you know, like, again, it's not about like, it's everything and it's on, it's on all the time. It's, it's really about, okay, what's needed for that specific point. Right. Um, and that, that's also kind of like a mindset change because a lot of the, uh, you know, kind of like uh, uh, organizations, it's like, we want everything. And if we have everything that we can build anything, well, you don't need everything. You don't need everything all the time. You may need one thing for a certain amount of time and, you know, use it for that, for that specific time. And then after that, I don't care. I don't care where those other cars are going. Now those other twins would probably care about their own area, but uh, for my specific algorithm, for my specific um, solution, uh, it's not relevant. So why should I keep data that's not relevant? Um, you know, you should just like take away the feed or uh, turn it off or not even connect. Right. Yeah. Hmm. It ties in perfectly. to like what you were saying earlier that, uh, you know, the user or customers don't necessarily see the asset. So all of they're only filtering the information that matters, the information that they need and everything else is just like, okay, we don't need it until it's off the screen. It's off the grid. Yeah. And that's what's, I think that's what's uh, important about, you know, like uh, something like, uh, like this solution or, or a solution like this is that um, not all, I think what you posted, not all information is relevant all the time. Right. I think I've said that already is, is because, you know, like for a specific time frame, there are certain things that you would look at and there are certain things that are more important and other things can be, you know, like uh, unconnected or let go. Uh, I think it's just a matter of like just going back to that customer uh, really mindset. It's like what is important for the customer at that uh, that specific point, and then how can we provide them that information in a um, great, um, uh, great and easy way. And speaking of great and easy ways of seeing uh, information, Marcus, you you've got something from Wired that you uh, wanted to talk on. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was an article about uh, the metaverse. Um, and uh, if you had a look about uh, at that article, it, it just talked about uh, how we're moving into having a more 
a more digital approach where people are communicating to each other inside of digital spaces, a lot like Second Life, which was really popular back in the early 2000s. So I was just sort of wondering, like, what are your thoughts on um, on the future of the metaverse? You know, is it the next big thing? Do you think it's a fad? Um, I think it's, it's, it's going, I wouldn't say it's a fad and I, I, I don't know if it's going to be the next big thing right now, but I, I do think it's going to go towards that way in the future, or, or it will go to some sort of, um, of similar uh, way in the future. And, and the reason why I say that, right, is, um, just going back to how we are like, so, so the, uh, uh the pandemic has changed ways of, uh, of working. The pandemic has changed, um, like, um, you know, like companies in terms of remote work and, and whatnot. And there was another article that I posted on LinkedIn about VR and just, just having these, um, kind of like this, um, AR solutions. Right. And at that point, like, you know, like maybe uh, a year ago, uh, prior to the pandemic or even two years ago, we was like, oh yeah, VR solution. I don't really, you know, I don't understand it. It's nice. It's a cool marketing tool. Um, but why would you do that? You know what I mean? It's like, like, why would you, you know, instead of just going there or meeting in person, but you know, like we've, you know, like we've, uh, suffered through a very, I want to say crazy time, um, the last, over, uh, the last uh, year or so that's, Things like are, are those kind of concepts are starting to, you know, like open up, like, uh, you know, like remote work has been kind of like the forefront. And we have successfully, I think, as a, as a species said that, hey, this actually works. And it's not just, you know, and it, this works for a lot of companies. Now, I'm not saying that there's no need for interaction. There's no need for, you know, like uh, being in the same office, but you know, like you can actually see the model working. And I think this is where I was saying, it's like, okay, if, if that sort of like Half-Life, Second Life Metaverse, um, VR comes together, that's kind of like the way that it could get realized is like, you know, to, to um, you know, like if you have to, um, I can just be at home and then we have, we can have a virtual conference. It, it's, it's happening now, but I think it's just going to get better and better and better over time. And just going back to, you know, like with the uh, the speed of communication with 5G, um, I think uh, it will open up and it will get get better. I, like, I, I'm just gonna uh, throw in a parallel, right? So Netflix um, uh, started as a DVD company, they, they just rented out the uh, DVD. Everybody, you can't, you know, like the idea was, you know, like uh, back in 2000, it was impossible to stream movies or whatever TVs online because you know, like the connection, uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't available. Like here we are 20 years later, yeah. that's the normal mode of, you know, like people actually watch movies now on movies, meaning like movies that doesn't even come out at the theaters because they just won't go straight to uh, Netflix or HBO go or HBO now or whatever, or, or Disney plus. And that's the, you know, like, I guess that's how we consume our entertainment now. And it's, it's because the, uh, the, the infrastructure is there. And I think that's what I was just trying to imply is that the infrastructure is going to get better and better. And the, the, the realization, the acceptance from people because of the pandemic has, uh, has opened up. So it will, um, you know, I think it will lead to that. Um, whoever, to me, is like whoever can perfect or whoever can 
make that the best uh, experience make um, of that solution, I think will um, uh, will will will, uh, will change or will um, will basically you know like be the next uh, Amazon or whatever, right? Yeah, I, I mean, one of the things that struck me reading the article and listening to your your feedback on it, Sean, is that. It actually seemed limited. I know that sounds ridiculous when you're talking about virtual spaces, digital spaces in which we're in, but it seems to me limited by the need for visualization. That actually what, what it was talking about was a parallel digital space, which could be visualized in terms of something, you know, I need VR goggles. But, but what it was really talking to me about was an acceptance of a digital identity and going back to your notion of digital twins as an identity, a digital identity interacting with others, digital identities and digital identities of processes and buildings and places. And that interaction being something that not only do I want, I, I need in order to be creative and to generate things. Cause I've seen a lot of things around the metaverse that are really about creating a, a simulation of the real world. Yeah. So I, yeah, an event, but you still have a stand and a crowd waiting at the event. And, and that seems madness to me. Like, the, the, you know, yeah, I take my virtual avatar takes its place at the back of a hundred thousand crowd with a band playing in the distance. Like surely the point about a virtual space is I could be stood on stage with the band, yeah. like, you know, chatting to them while they play or, you know, interacting with them or playing along and they don't hear what I'm doing, but I hear what I'm doing. Yeah, they're, they're kind of, it seems to me that really what we're, we're liberating here and, and self-driving cars are a good example is a brand new way of working, a new social contract, new ways of interacting with each other rather than simply creating digital parallels to, to what we do already. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a good point. I think it's, it's really, and this is where I was just going to feed to what I just said earlier. It's like whoever can, can can build the, the the I would say the right or the best user experience in that space, and and then and when I say a, a user, it does not necessarily have to, as, as you mentioned, mimic how a conference, how things happen in the real world, because you know you need to kind of like I think this is uh, the, the challenge that we need to kind of like break that mold, right? So it's not about doing things exactly. It's about, you know, like thinking about it. So, how, you know, like if I was in this digital site, how would I see it? And that's why I was talking about the ecosystem. It's not about just what you can see, but what you can connect to that's beyond what I can see. Um, and I think that's, that's uh, you know, again, that's very uh, important. Yeah, I think we're slowly starting to move in that direction, but with all the new VR and AR technology, I know HoloLens isn't necessarily very new, but um, Apple, uh, all of their iPads and all of their iPhones are already equipped with LiDAR technology. And soon they're going to be releasing a $3,000 VR headset, or at least there's rumors about that. And I could only imagine how someone can use LiDAR to scan a room or, uh, and then they can hold like a business meeting or business conference uh, with their new VR headsets, full 3D, and each person's actually present inside of this virtual space. So I think it is something that's really, really exciting and could be done right. And will eventually, um, I guess, technology in the metaverse will, will start to explode from there. And I think, you know, just, just going back to what, um, you know, Ali was mentioning, and it's not about putting, you know, like, let's say 10, 20, 30 people in a room, um, having a, a meeting. It's, it's, it's really about, okay. 
um, I'm here and I have that, it's almost like that one-on-one connection with the person that's providing uh, the session. And I don't necessarily, like I hear, like I can ask my question, but it's not about like, okay, let me raise my hand or, but because, you know, you know, like the, the, the limitations that we have in kind of like the physical world is almost um, removed, right? In a digital world. So there, there, of course, you know, like there, there is, uh, you know, again, just going back to the, like, you know, whoever gets that right, whoever gets the, uh, that experience right to make it um, better than what it is now, I think will uh, will do really good, will do really well. Yeah, and, and I think it's interesting, uh, Marcus, to sort of correlate the two that making it better and then what Apple are doing is augmenting what's real not creating immersive experiences. And while I, I think immersive experiences are entertaining, but they take you out of where you are today. Yeah. So, I mean, they take you out of the universe into the metaverse. And I think actually, from my perspective, the people that win will be the people that augment the universe with the metaverse as opposed to replace it. So rather than it being somewhere where I leave my, my, my wife and two kids and go into a metaverse where I'm doing stuff. It instead becomes something that augments and enhances um, and moves me beyond the limitations of what I have on a daily basis in my, in my universe. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like uh, I go back to, there was that movie, that Tom Chris movie, uh, Minority Report. <laughs> you know, that's the, you know, that's kind of like what, you know, how, how I would see what you were talking about, Ali where it doesn't really, you know, like I'm not taken into another world or another digital world, but kind of like the digital and the, the, the real world kind of like meshes, right? So I, I'm allowed, I'm given additional information that wouldn't be uh, available to me um, currently. Um, but by having these, again, going back to these uh, connected ecosystem, connected ecosystem of twins, my twin and whatever, then I can, you know, like I can be uh, presented with, um, with information that I would need at that time. So yes, yeah, I think that's uh, like, well, let me know if you can I, find a company that can get that done. And I want to, you know, invest in them right away. For sure. For sure. And so from, from the sublime uh, to, the, to the prosaic, my, my article was, I, I found a piece in The Manufacturer saying that two in three manufacturers say COVID-19 has accelerated their digital transformation. And this, I think, is a, is a story that we've seen, not just in manufacturing, but a, across construction and a number of industries. But for me, that one of the things that really stood out um, was this point about culture and mindset shift. So what was the, 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 the survey asked, what were the barriers were to technical adoption? And now it was carving out time to focus on implementation. So working on the business, not in the business. So taking yourself out enough to see how digital transformation may help. And then over the next 18 months, organizational culture was seen as the biggest barrier. So I thought it was fascinating that we've moved beyond technology adoption being something that People are either frightened of technology or uh, they don't know how to use it. That's now an assumed, uh, there's an element of that that is is overcomable. But actually, it's culturally and having the headspace to be able to see how you can do not just things differently, but do different things requires you to have the time to look at your business 
in a, in a different way. I, I wonder what your reflections were on the on the article. No, I, I like you know I I agree. Um, I guess uh, just going to, to one specific topic, right? Like the uh, the remote working prior to COVID, people do it, you know, like but uh, it wasn't as accepted. Like it was always like, yeah, you can work remotely, but most uh, large organizations, they still need, you know, they, they, they want you in the office and you're supposed to clock in eight to five. And that's just the standard way of doing things. Um, but then the pandemic pandemic happened and we were forced. It's basically somebody ripped up, ripped out the bandaid and says like, here you are, this is your way of working now and you can't do anything about it. Um, and there was a lot of challenges, um, you know, like, uh, you know, at least uh, for, for us, it was always like, okay, do we have the connection? We need to increase our connection because we have all our employees are, are doing remote work. So we need to, you know, like uh, beef up our infrastructure to be able to support. What's really kind of like interesting and then what I found valuable for that is that because of that challenge, whereas prior, it would have taken months and sometimes even years to get that you know, like um, that infrastructure to be fixed so that you can support it took, you know, like uh, weeks. And, you know, like I, I, I have to give credit to, you know, like, uh, you know, like all the, the, the IT guys um, at Rolls-Royce Power Systems because they made it happen. Um, and they, they gave us the ability to be able to do um, what we were doing, uh, you know, now. And just, again, just going back to that culturally, it became more accepted, right? Um, so it's not, in a, uh, it's not about like kind of, um, you know, like, oh, you can only do work at work or you can only progress things at work. Um, but there are, there are other things that you can do at home and it is, it is starting to become accept, uh, uh, acceptable. However, and it's, <laughs> I want to say it's a big, um, uh, I would say big, uh, uh, break on this uh, uh, idea is that it is very difficult uh, to build relationships and it's very difficult to build relationships um, remotely. So you can have your Skype meetings, you can have your Zoom meetings or, or, or whatnot, but realistically, how things get done, especially in, uh, you know, like a big multinationals are, you know, like those coffee, uh, you know, like those, uh, uh, what is it like coffee break sessions where you have, uh, cause that's where you start building your, your connections. That's where you start building your, uh, your relationship with your peers, with your coworkers, with your colleagues, with your boss. Um, and fostering and building those, um, those relationships is, is what helps you in being able to get things done. Uh, you might like, you know, like just doing work at home is fine. I can, you know, like, uh, I can just write a document or, or whatever, but if I really want, uh, to get, you know, like maybe if I need to talk to this person or this person, it's, you know, you can talk to them, but they may not necessarily give you the time of the day if you haven't already built that relationship with them. So I think there has to be some sort of hybrid approach. And, but yeah, I, I agree with your point. I think it makes people think of how can, how else can we do it? How else can we improve? And how else can we, I would say, work in this type of, uh, of environment? Um, I, I think that's a fascinating analogy, actually, because it, it's interesting that the whole conversation around work from home has changed from, from what I'm reading. From, is it possible 
or, or is it desirable to exactly your point about the hybrid, which are the bits we want to keep? So uh, there's a lot of kind of LinkedIn surveys going around of the sort of, yep. do you want to work five days a week at home or four days or three days or two days? And what does it mean for office spaces? Um, Frame Magazine had a number of articles in January talking about office architecture and saying, you know, actually, if that's what you're going for, if it's the coffee, coffee water cooler moment is why I'm going in to build interpersonal relationships, does that fundamentally change the way you build office spaces and, and lay them out? Because actually, people aren't going in for nine to five. They're going in to make human contact with people and, and have conversations. And I just think it's fascinating that, it, again, it's like all these things. It isn't binary. It's not everyone should work from home or everyone has to work in an office. But when you've removed the cultural barrier, you can start focusing on what's important. Why would we go into an office? Yeah. Why do we need to be there? Okay, if that's why we're there, then the office should be built and constructed in such a way to support the reason we're going into the office. And offices for the past 100 years or more, in fact, 200 years, were built for people to sit at desks and do their daily scheduled work. Yeah. And the coffee and water cooler moments were, were kept to the fringes. Yeah, it was the kind of yeah. meeting in the canteen type, type piece. Or, or exactly. Yeah. In the UK. No, I think that's, that's fascinating. And, and it's, it's, I think it's very important as well. Because, you know, like, it, again, it's, it's, it's all about kind of like it changed the way or it opened up and it changed the way how we think about work and how we think about what needs to get done, right? Um, and it took the pandemic to really open that up, right? Which is, you know, sometimes that's just that's just how uh, that's just what happens. And but yeah, I agree with you. I think it, it will affect and it will change, you know, um, you know, like the way of working moving forward. And I'm, me, I myself, I'm excited to see how it will change and see how it will, uh, you know, like how it will improve. And then finally, and, and talking about societal changes, I saw in the news uh, this week, in fact, that Shell have announced their investment strategy and how they are moving to a low carbon, zero emission world and are spending, I think they said five to six billion dollars investing in EV charging points and so on. And to, and to loop us back to, you, to, to your GM and cruise post, it does feel like there's a, a really significant societal shift happening if if companies like Shell are taking that kind of that kind of bet and that kind of strategy. Yeah. And I think just just going back to, you know, what is, you know, like what does the customer want? You know, what is the, you know, like what's driving um the needs and what's driving um the requests and what's driving uh a kind of like the uh, the environment that that's uh, we're in right now. Uh, and, and then I think, you know, like a lot of organizations, they can't just turn a blind eye to, to those, uh, those requests or those needs or those wants. Right. So, um, you know, for example, uh, so it's like Shell doing, you know, this Shell, this traditional oil or, you know, like oil company, um, now putting a lot more, like really, they may have done so before, but really putting heavy investment in um, alternative fuels and so uh, alternative energy. And, you know, like, or, or let's say, for example, Rolls-Royce, a traditional engine uh, turbine manufacturer, um, putting heavy investment in an electric 
um, engine for a plane. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, we have to, I think organizations need to uh, be aware um, and understand where things are going because otherwise um, if, you know, like whoever doesn't change loses and whoever yeah. um, basically doesn't change will pretty much get taken over by Amazon. So <laughs> well, which it's actually, it's actually something you touched on in that, in that institution of mechanical engineers article, um, the need for human buy-in to digital twin deployment. You said the driver for change is the environment we find ourselves in. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's, that's very resonant here. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. I think change is definitely very good. I think change is what drives us to be better and change, uh, change is what makes us better. uh, 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 It pushes us to be the better, uh, better, um, I would say person or better, uh, I would say, uh, I want to say better value of ourselves, if that makes sense. Um, so you know, like I personally, I can't be the same person or I'm not the same person I am 10 years ago, or I shouldn't have been the same person I am 10 years ago. There is going to be new experiences. I'm going to have uh, meet new people. I'm going to learn about the twin and that totally changed my life um, or changed my perspective. And I think organizations are like that. Organizations are sort of like people, right? Um, that um, the ones that don't, we don't hear from anymore. And the ones that do, um, and they may even like go to a totally different uh, industry, but they're still here. Uh, and th- the reason why they're still here is because they were able to uh, be agile and adapt and really take uh, and, and take into consideration those uh, those certain things that are happening. Mm. That's a very good point. You know, some companies like Nintendo over like about a hundred years ago, they were a completely different company. They didn't do anything in electronics or gaming or anything of the sort. And and they had to evolve over and over and over until they got their, their niche and something that fit into today's world. And now they're one of the best selling uh, video game consoles. So exactly. Shell, Shell has no choice, um, but they're in this self-preservation mode where, you know, by 2030, um, the UK needs to, to stop selling new gas cars and uh by 2040 hyundai is planning on uh going all electric and all of these other in us is uh i think by 2035 uh is going to have their entire government owned fleet of vehicles also be electric so shell really has no choice it has to quickly come up with a plan and start to adapt and change so that by 2030 2035 and 2040 they're prepared for these changes otherwise they're just going to vanish from yeah. the planet. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah well i think that's a, a great place to leave it it seems to me that the things we've discussed today kind of tie together a bit because what we're seeing and what i heard you say there sean at the end is that this change comes from the interactions that you're having with you know, you as a person you have with your ecosystem. You said the people I meet, the things I do, the things I learn about. And we're seeing the same for companies changing as they interact. Um, and that, that idea of a company or an individual as identity, that's how you were framing the twin, digital twin earlier, um, and its ability to interact with an ecosystem can deliver things that you know, I am absolutely sure the, the founding fathers of Nintendo could not possibly have imagined uh super mario uh let alone um you know, <laughs> luigi and the rest of them uh so i i think i think it's fantastic that that we're on this journey um it's been great talking to you thank you very much um thank you so with us this week was sean gigramaza technical product manager at rolls royce 
Um, we'll share a link to his article about the need for human buy-in in digital twin deployments um, and uh, his contact details as, as you know, in terms of looking up on LinkedIn. He's on there. He's very active. Uh, you'll see the post that we will link off to the, that he commented on. Um, and next time out, we're talking to Bill Murray from Leading Edge Forum on his paper about uh, navigating the labyrinth of digital twins. So, Sean, thank you very much again for joining us. Thanks, Ali. Thanks, Marcus. Absolutely. It was fantastic getting to meet you. Marcus and I will see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye.